celebrating our Independence Day. The only way we know how. It's Vija, please. A hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. What's what's the way we know? Chaining ourselves to our desk kind of late on a Friday night so that we can finally bang <laughs> out a, a recording after three weeks. I thought you were going to say blowing shit up. I'm hearing those fireworks in your background. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Joseph, by the way. I'm your co-patriot, Peter. Yes, and uh, thanks to everybody uh, in the sound of our voice who uh, were patient with us. Uh, we had to take an unscheduled summer break, I guess would be the way to describe it. Uh, rural life got in the way, and I will not bore you with the details, except that, of course, it appeared on TMZ, which <laughs> our, our, uh, our, our members of our trauma support group uh, were, were able to uh, witness. Uh, so there's your plug, by the way. Come join the trauma support group. And speaking of them, like I, I appreciate all of our listeners, but are the ones that have joined us on, on our little Facebook group. Uh, thanks to all of you in particular. Warm, kind words as we uh, had to kind of put the podcast aside for for an unscheduled absence while we we dealt with real life. It's uh, it's it was cool for everyone to you know stay engaged and and just let us know you know they were here for us when we got back. So here we are. We're back. And we are excited, very excited, uh, because season five, episode 11, Latent Image, pretty fucking great. I consider it the finest episode of Star Trek regarding the topic of AI as a concept. That's bullshit, Joseph. Are you saying that this episode was better than the last episode of Picard where um, Cthulhu Robo Horus peeked out of a wormhole and threatened to reaper the entire galaxy you saying that this was somehow better than that <laughs> master just, stroke i'm not i'm not even in the same room with you and i couldn't hold a straight face through you saying that like oh jesus oh man no but uh, real man there's a, oh, i mean yeah obviously i mean that's some fine television no um, no but you know there's some really really good ai entries uh specifically out of tng because we had data as such a front and center character um, you know, if you're going to go top three data, um, AI ish episodes, uh, you'd set off air. Your number one spot on that would have been measure of a man, which I agree once upon a time was really great until it became such a huge centerpiece in Picard that I feel it somehow slipped in its credibility towards me. Um, what else is good ones out of there? Uh, the, the daughter, or offspring, offspring, offspring. solid. Um, but the uh, and then the Moriarty episodes, I oh, think as well. Absolutely, yes. But the I would definitely consider this greater than all of them, and I think I will return to this topic with you once we reach. I think the inflection point in the episode where it elevates. And you can you can decide if I'm full of shit or not at that point. Well, no, I take it back. I am full of shit, Peter. If I'm full of shit on this, I expect you'll you'll tell me then. But uh, it's still a fantastic trek, and I am very excited to talk to you about it. Um, I'm looking the, at the memory alpha on this because there's some really great directing choices and photography choices that happen along with this. Uh, we got teleplay by Joe Manowski, story by. Eileen Connors, Brand Braga, and Joe Manowski, and then directed by Mike Viger. This, As one Viger to another Viger, you did a great job on this, Mike. I this this is a strong entry. I was really actually surprised right now not to see uh Kenneth Bewilder on here. 
Uh, his only other episode before this was Year of Hell Part Two. Mm. It's the last last time he's so uh, that kind of makes that checks out. That checks out. I like it. Um, the episode begins with uh, the continuing saga of the Doctor's hollow imager, finally kind of factoring into the plot in a more substantial way. I so, call this his photography fetish, and you are absolutely right. And this is, again, credit where credit's due. Once upon a time, there was no groundwork laid for anything, and it wasn't until season, what, two, where we got the beginning of the Seska arc, where we started planting seeds uh, that would later come into greater fruition and Absolutely, that's what we're seeing here. Uh, we have a well-established photography um, thing the doctor's been involved with, and uh, and and good on them for uh, making this happen so credibly. So the idea here is that the doctor is taking these full-body images of all the crew members uh, to assist him in doing his diagnostics of each crew member's health and. Uh, be able to assist him in treating them in the future. And he gets to Harry Kim. Harry Kim uh, gets his image taken. They do a very 90s special effect of like, it's the skeleton and then the inside and then there's skin and then it's the person. Not impressive at the time and certainly doesn't hold up <laughs> now, but we'll, we'll forget it. But the doctor notices as part of this that it appears Harry Kim has had a neurosurgery procedure that he recognizes because the doctor invented it. So only he could have done it. And he doesn't remember giving Harry Kim such a, a surgery, which is obviously a problem for him. And uh, the episode begins with this mystery. And, you know, I think it, it plays into the Trek tropes quite well here at first. Now, Peter, as somebody who went into this blind I assume blind. Did you go into this blind? Did you know what this was going to be about? No, absolutely not. Um, so were you, you know, fooled? I, I take that back. I guess no. is the, is the, that's my key question. Were you fooled by the first 20 minutes? No, I wasn't. Um, okay. You know, the capsule on this made it pretty clear, I think, that it was going to be a situation where Voyager crew members were tampering with uh, the doctor's memory and that you know, he's being left out. There was another TNG episode and you have to forgive me. I'm not remembering it, but it's the one where, uh, data was supposed to forget something and he discovers clues and drags mm -hmm. the crew back into a region of space where they had agreed to have their memory wiped and endangers everybody. And that's, that's what I thought we were going to be getting shades of here. And they do a great job in the beginning of kind of faking you out with that. Um, this entire opening scene, the, the pre-credit scene is great in my book. I liked the beginning segment where you've got like Paris and Bellana and some other rando crews. You got uh, Naomi Wildman. And like you said, we end on Harry Kim. I, I liked that every time the shutter would flash, it was a new person. And they're just the looks on their face are kind of like indulging this guy. Everybody knows about his photography. Nobody really wants to be involved with it. Now he's dragging it into work and like the reluctance on people's faces for it. But in specifically the Naomi Wildman's uh, portion, I think what they're really doing is driving home the fact that the doctor is human. The doctor is good natured. And even though he's still a little prickly, it's like lovably prickly and that he has had so much growth from this two dimensional 
appliance that he started off with in becoming one of the warmest and most compassionate, I would say, uh, members of the crew. And all of it feels very earned and very relevant. And I cannot disagree with any of his portrayal in this um, beginning, because of course, you need to build the stakes for when you find out the wrong that's being done to him later on. I agree. And I think that that, I mean, it's ultimately what this episode's about, right? Like that's the whole premise is sure. this personality that Doctor is, is established and that we we know him and we have seen that change and that his evolution has become evident through both his performance and the writing and the situations that they've placed him in. And the, and the brilliance of the episode comes in acknowledging that in a way that feels perfectly natural. Uh, it, it, so much of the criticisms that we level at Star Trek and then specifically at Voyager is you didn't set it up. This feels forced. This just is like problem of the week. Why is this happening? Right. Those are not questions you have to ask about this episode at all. Not one bit. Everything in this episode, aside from like a slight continuity error about the time period in which the flashback happens. And essentially, let's just boil it out. Where's Cass, right? Like Cass would have been on the ship at the time. Obviously, they can't use her anymore. So they kind of just overlook that. Uh, Aside from that, I don't think there's anything you can say about this episode that says they haven't. This isn't a very lived in episode of the of the show that really rewards the a long term fan. There's two things that I can nitpick and I'll save it for later in there. But um, it's a. Wait till those fireworks are over. It is. uh, The the Doctor's got one of the best story arcs out of any Star Trek character. And Delta Flyers, which I've been listening to weekly, not even they can really answer the question of was the Doctor supposed to take this journey originally in in the vision that the showrunners had? Or was it the fact that Robert Picardo brought so much so much to the table that they couldn't help but give him a uh, right, a better right, character yeah. and and you know again voyager traditionally has been terrible about character growth and any of that but that's been the one concept that every episode the doctor is a little more human a little bit better a little bit more than he was the episode before and that's been really great to watch so they they play the trick where hey, oh my gosh there's this chilling mystery now that someone has operated on harry kim he doesn't seem to remember the doctor doesn't know anything about it the doctor takes a closer look and we have certainly seen situations in star trek before where you've got outside alien parties abducting people experimenting on them like you've had at least two rounds of space nazi uh yeah. you don't know if this is a space nazi mengala memory thing you know you have no idea yeah, but, this is a problem. You have to tell the boss. Yeah, but I will say that um, you can immediately tell that the way that uh, Harry's looking, that's like, oh, shit, he's remembering and like, yeah, it was fun to be watching this episode with all of that in mind and then looking at the face acting of everybody as he starts to like pick it up and he starts talking to other characters about it. Uh, you know, he tells Janeway when he goes to her office to do her physical and you you get that first sense of like she's she's kind of like stops cold and starts staring at the wall as she like explains oh I just found out I did the surgery to Harry Kim and I don't remember it and which like seems like real casual the way he brings it up the the, the captain like I was expecting him to go like 
I found a major issue. We need to stop everything we're doing right now and look into this. Not like, hey, we're going to go through half your physical and then I'm going to casually bring up, uh, you know, the fact that someone's been playing around <laughs> in your ops officer's neck. Well, I mean, he could it could be that he you know he's playing off of like there could be a rational explanation like i do have a memory file for that that's for some reason because you know we've been through so much shit got damaged and i just need to recover it or something mm. you know maybe a little bit of that could have but helped out harry that. didn't Make remember him. either and that's why i think it really should have been a priority conversation point the next person he goes to visit after talking to janeway is seven of nine who is you know the second most important character in this episode and I think Will used as her status as a reclaimed Borg, Borg droid, uh, drone, droid. The fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> reclaimed Borg drone and the doctor's closest confidant at this point and uh, goes to her in astrometrics and be like, hey, can you help me figure out like why I did neurosurgery to Harry Kim and I don't remember it? And uh, she's like, yeah, I'm going to finish this work up and uh, I'll come to you in an hour to to help you out. You know, and they have a little bit of interaction where he's like, you know, mock offended that she won't help right away and kind of like skilts her a little bit. Be like, fine, fine, I'll help you in an hour. You know, it's like showing his personality and interactions with Seven and you know, the level that that's risen to. And an hour later, Seven shows up in sick bay. Doctor's not on. Reactivates him. Says, hey, I'm here. You want me to help you out? And he's like, what are you talking about? She's like, you asked me an hour ago to help you figure out why you did neurosurgery to Harry Kim and you don't remember it? He's like, well, I don't remember asking you for help about that either. And they start to put together that his short-term memories were deleted, so he didn't remember any of those things. And as they start their, their I guess you call it forensic investigation, is that you know, he's got memory files from a specific star date that it would have this would have occurred that it are being denied to him. And he has these these residual like pictures from his hollow imager that were also they were deleted. But he has like the the leftover like cache files or whatever and sees these hazy images of a uh, Starfleet ensign that he has no re remembrance of whatsoever along with a sinister looking alien with a big like giant alien triple dildo rifle. gun. Yeah, triple dildo gun. Yeah, just like the three pronged dildo death rep weapon. Yeah, you thought that the Federation was the only race out there packing dildo guns, but uh no. No, triple penetration for her and his pleasure. <laughs> Neelix. I enjoy his detective stories and apparently the doctor and seven of nine, I enjoy their detective stories. Why is it Joe <laughs> That I hate Detective Tuvok stories so much. You've got a really great series of events happening here. They move through it quickly. Granted, you've got the smartest human being in the universe and this AI that's, you know, capable of, you know, superhuman intellect. So they do a good job. Everything's a reasonable jump to conclusion. Uh, the, the clues are there. It works well, and I really like the pacing, how it, you know, they, they do a nice job of fleshing out a mystery that, that gets deeper and deeper and does kind of get the, the hairs on the back of your neck standing up a little bit here. If you were watching this for the first time on TV and didn't know what it was about, 
I think that they play the tropes perfect. There's a sinister alien. There's this mystery. Something's going on, right? Like this plays in so well with just the things that Voyager loves to do so much that absent an, a hint of in the in advance of what it's really going to be about, I think this really structures it well to surprise the viewer of what it actually ends up being about. You know, and I, I, that's effective use of their own tropes to tell the story more effectively. Right. It deserves, it deserves praise. So there was a meeting um, that was briefly discussed. Uh, or I, I don't know. I might begin my order of events out. Um, the second time he get, well, when he gets his mind wiped in, in Seven of Nines, like, you wanted me to help you with this. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Was Seven of Nine there for the initial meeting with Janeway? No, Seven of Nine is there for the second one after they get the images off the hollow emitter and see like this person that they don't recognize. Right, and all because they go to Janeway and say, listen, this just got wiped a second time. And we're afraid that there might be like, again, one of these space Mengala elves, you know, hiding on the ship like Chakotay's fucking old girlfriend um, who nobody can remember and, and might be perpetuating this conspiracy. So it's Janeway on the other side of the table and Tubak. And speaking of Chakotay, this is the second time this season where we've seen uh, a very interesting staffing decision by Janeway to have a a real hush-hush meeting without Chakotay involved. And instead, it's her old BFF Tubak in there. Um, I forget, do Vulcans have anything preventing them from lying? They don't have anything preventing them from lying, but as they typically don't engage in falsehoods easily. Uh, but I mean, Tuvok lied to Chakotay and said he was a, a Maquis and passed Fair himself enough. off as a spy. So it's like now they're not they're capable of deception, but they typically don't uh, can uh, try to deceive others. So they lay out on the line. <clears throat> hey, we think that there is an alien influencer who is uh, screwing with my memories. We've got some. Data files we're able to dig up. There's this missing crew member that's not in any of the databases, which jumping deeper in, like, so they they shot this woman off into space at her funeral and then completely deleted her out of the fucking records of the entire ship. Like, that's super harsh for her. Like, ouch. They lay it all on the line, and Janeway's like, uh, okay, well, I want you to go turn yourself off. We're going to put a force field up around the computer. We need to protect you. And then uh, Tuvok, you go start running security crews and this and that. At this point, I would have thought that she'd be like, hey, seven and nine, why don't you stick around? Because I need to talk to you. Hey, spoiler alert, it's us. <laughs> uh, he goes real off his rails when this thing happens so we need you to be a team player here and understand that this is for his own good like her lack of including Janeway in this or Janeway's lack of including seven in this little conspiracy is kind of a head scratcher especially when you consider that like Janeway talked to seven and nine about the Omega directive and if you can talk to seven about the Omega directive I think giving her a heads up on Hey, the doctor go crazy. I think eventually she obviously gets told that it just needed that moment that you're talking about where it's like seven year remain here or something else I want to talk to you about. And you don't even have to see the scene. It's just that later on you find out that's when she got told. 
you know, just you you didn't have to you could infer it. They could leave a lot to be inferred in this episode and that that's perfectly appropriate. Um, but they they have the doctor go down back to sick bay and he decides to set up his own little 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 uh, trap, I guess, little little safety precaution. He sets up his camera, the recurring hollow imager, finally really actually paying off to like capture if someone comes in and fucks with his program and that he would automatically turn back on and reload his backup memory. These were if, some of the most complicated verbal computer commands I've ever seen issued in Star Trek. Yeah. And if like you've got that level of uh, versatility, I think the the rest of the crew is really underutilizing the camera. Do you remember the old uh, toy line spy tech? Yes, of course. Like, does this situation not just reek of like a 90s toy commercial? Like, I'm going to put up this camera in the corner. This camera, you get a lot of close up shots on this thing. It is covered in blinking lights and doodads. So when the perpetrator, uh, i.e. Janeway, does walk in and doesn't see this fucking disco strobe light going in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking shame on you. Shame on you, Janeway. Um, Yeah, so this is a powerful scene because first he just shows up and he goes to shut himself off. And before he says the words, you see him kind of like stop and clench his fists and roll back on his heels. And there is this very clear look of regret and hesitation on his face because he he knows what he's afraid of right he's afraid that he's getting jerked around he's afraid it's the crew doing it and when he does all this it's almost knowing that he's disobeying an order because what's going to be laying on the other end and i I love that angst he brings into the scene while setting up this trap his spy tech trap yeah, he's pissed and like and it feeds into the next scene because he gets reactivated after someone has come in and fucked with his memory, reloads his his uh, his backup back in, checks his spy tech camera. Sure enough, <laughs> it's it's Janeway who's come and done it. Uh, you know, it was me, Austin, who was me all along. And so the next there's the commercial break there and the next scene is like. Janeway, Tuvok, and Chakotay apparently all knowing a whole bunch about sumo wrestling, which is like the most fucking Star Trek thing ever. And casually talking about it, all just kind of shooting the shit on the bridge, which is, you know, the kind of thing that would happen because despite the fact that they are at a one space calamity that might kill you a pay period, that does leave another 13 days that, you know, things are pretty calm. You know, this isn't death day. I don't have to send the Delta flyer into a nebula today. That was actually a space baby filled with AIDS. Like that's that's tomorrow. Um, and the doctor is just looks just fucking pissed. Right. And comes up and uh, they, you know, Janeway kind of casually like tries to dismiss him. Like, please don't be here for a house call. And uh, uh, he just starts ripping into him of like, oh, yeah. How about uh, how about the fact that you uh, are uh, fucking uh, with my memory? Huh? How you? You're the person that's fucking with my program. How about that, bitch? What's up now? I fucking know it was you. He calls it. He didn't a, get away with it. Specifically calls it a conspiracy. And uh, yeah, the balls on him to confront Janeway on the bridge of her own ship. Like. 
Tuvok's like, hey, uh, why don't you come with me? And he's like, no, how about we yeah, just no, have no, this No, fuck you. How about we have this out right now? I am a, do not like this. Do I, I like look it. like Tuvix? You think I'm just going to go march off to my death? <laughs> fuck you, bitch. <laughs> the first disrespect I think we really see in this entire situation, and there's there's two... There's two big things, obviously. One is the fact that we're going to find out that uh, the captain and her administration has been taking it upon themselves to relieve the doctor of memories. I think the bigger issue here is is the casual disrespect in that like they they just seem to do shitty work, half ass work like you've got. Kim will find outs involved. You've got the captain who is a scientist involved. You've got all these resources and they just seem to do this real half-assed job of brushing this incident um, under the the rug multiple times because it's like, I don't know, I think if it's someone important that you'd put more effort into it. And I think that leads directly well into the next scene. Well, I, I take that back. The next scene is Janeway's like, all right, let's head to the my ready room i'm gonna fucking explain some shit to you and he she explains very basically that there were memories that the doctor has regarding the attack that caused a conflict in his programming that couldn't be resolved right doesn't explain what it is or why it is but he says he's not going to she's not he's not going to explain it to her uh she's not going to explain it to him rather uh because it might cause the conflict to happen again and says i don't care what you think go back to to sick bay because we're going to redo everything we did to prevent you from knowing about this that's just the fucking end of the conversation and so, like the the next scene after that is like chakotay and torres and uh and paris paris and sick bay of like you know like okay tell tom everything you're working on he's gonna take over for you while we have you offline and he's like what the fuck are you guys gonna tell me what's going on and they're like no we're not the captain made his decision and we're ride or die on it I want to jump back to this Janeway briefing uh, scene because there's some very important stuff that gets laid down here. Number one is the triumphant return of a soup reference. It's been a long time since uh, the writers <laughs> have made mention to soup on Voyager. It was a very popular topic back on season one and season two. And in this episode, we get not just one soup references, but there's two extended soup references. Uh, so very excited to see that back. Uh, only thing we're missing here really is Cardassian hallway. Um, uh, rip, rip, rest in peace, Cardassian hallway. You've yeah. been away from us for so long. Yeah, I'm really. I'm gonna have to go back and watch those earlier episodes to see that reused hallway. Uh, there is two things that she's gonna drop on the doctor during this conversation, and one is, uh, you know, she's saying I made a command decision. And, uh, you know, no, no, no. It was the doctor. It says, you know, you operated on me without my consent and I would never do that to you and blah, blah, blah. And here's here's my big complaint on this episode is nothing. Three episodes. She did that exact thing. <laughs> nothing human. Right. So that's the one yeah. with the literal uh, space Mengele. Um, Cardassian. Cardassian. Yeah. Cardassian. Mm-hmm. And. Belana Taurus is like, no, I'd rather die than this fucking hologram of a representation of the medical database operating on me. And the doctor specifically was one championing the uh, we need to operate on you regardless of what you're saying. 
So for him to play that card looks real ignorant in this scene. Um, and that's a shame because I think there could have been some really great tie over and further exploration of this topic had Bolana been at all aware of her previous actions in in when she was in the doctor's shoes. And then second, um, and I, I love all the anger in this scene, the fucking doctor like really raging out and very ballsy again of of the uh, the captain be alone in a room with what is going to become uh, rogue AI at the drop of a pin. <laughs> yeah, we see some real ugly shit out of the doctor. And um, I like when she lays on him about like, uh, I wouldn't let a crew member commit suicide. And and they kind of flesh that in and out. And it's like, well, Janeway, you kind of did, man. We jumped back to the Winnie the Q episode and you lobbied like super hard in the favor of letting someone commit suicide. So you telling the doctor that you would not give him this information because it's going to lead him down a self-destructive path. Like, I guess it's not really her being ignorant of previous actions out of uh, the Winnie the what was the Winnie the Q episode. I forget the name of it. Whatever. I, 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 it is forever Winnie the Q to me. Same. The, sadly, the best Q episode in Star Trek Voyager. So, you know, I would say maybe it's her ignorant of her own uh, statements from the Winnie the Q episode. But I think more to the point is, again, she doesn't really consider the doctor actually people at this stage. And it's uh, her having a double standard. And. We re- we finally get to that more explicitly when Seven of Nine comes to visit Janeway in her quarters. And this is where I'm going to return to what I said earlier about why this particular episode elevates to me beyond uh, which like beyond the prior AI episodes. And I will take this opportunity to ex- to ex- expound on that more. In Measure of a Man. The audience already knows that the correct answer is that Data is a person. They're primed to believe that. The episode wants the audience to believe that Data is a person. Uh, Maddox is a clear antagonist in that episode. Picard and Data, the protagonists. Uh, Riker being forced to argue against something he knows to be correct is tragic. It all works well for the drama of the episode, but there's no tension in what the quote unquote truth is. This episode is far better at actually creating the possibility for the viewer that there, the correct answer is not the one you want, which is the doctor may not be a person, right? They get all the way to the end of the episode before they finally actually allow that to be the answer, like in the closing minute or two. But they have the scene where Seven of Nine comes to Janeway and expectedly is like Seven of Nine is offended at the fact that the doctor is being treated like a toaster to which Janeway says, well, he is. He is a toaster. He is a a complicated software program, but he's software nevertheless. He is a, a functionary. He is not a person. 
And the obviously the, the growth and journey that Janeway takes is reckoning to the fact that her perspective, which she's held fast to for these five seasons, like this is an ongoing thread with her character. And I think that's also part of the reason why it pays off so well of she's never really treated the doctor like a person. She resisted it at first. Cass is the one that first stood up for the doctor's personhood. Right. And over time, she's allowed this evolution to occur. And we've seen this evolution occur on screen, but she's always been resistant to the idea and somewhat dismissive of it. And here we finally reached an inflection point where this personhood now actually bears a cost. It didn't bear a cost before, except mild inconvenience. Now there is a there is a situation that requires a potential cost to everybody for allowing this to occur. And Janeway is not justified in not allowing the doctor's uh, sentience to manifest itself fully. And they really do provide tension in the episode of like, maybe that's not possible. And I think that's why it's better. This is an interesting turn of events to see you highlight that she has kind of let the doctor go on like as you put it, because there was no cost associated with it. It was uh not like she was taking him lightly. I mean, certainly the doctor saved the ship on on several occasions, the most important one being uh when he transversed the Herogen relay and made contact with Starfleet and, you know, everything that went on there. But you take the lack of value that she assigns to him as a person. And then you contrast that with fucking Leonardo da Vinci. And (laughs) I mean, we're going to laugh about it because concerning flight, he was a fucking cartoon character, but you look at the liberties and the fucking time she wasted and the stakes in that episode where half of the mission critical equipment had been stolen from Voyager and was on this instead of involving like the ship's full resources, she wanted to put the entire fate of the ship in her hands solo so she could let her hologram buddy find his own self-worth and like really facilitate the emotional journey that that hologram had to take at the cost of the whole ship versus this here where she's like, no, fuck it, shut it off, wipe it out. She could have turned Da Vinci off as Tuvok stated, and they could have gotten like the ship and really knocked this, uh, this problem out and concerning flight. And instead she let this thing breathe at the drop of a hat. And here um, she was very stingy. So that's, that's quite the juxtaposition there um, to, to say that at the end of the day, the doctor who has saved the ship multiple times is just a soup dispenser. I think it, I mean, concerning flights, an all time bad episode. So I don't want to try like it's worthy, the worthy of the memes that we have dropped at its feet. But but it's I there. Though. Want, I mean, I don't want to taint the rest of. The, the character of Janeway and her casual disregard for the doctor's person to this point by that. But I mean, she I mean maybe, uses, maybe she uses Da Vinci as the fucking her confidant right. When, right before she makes the worst decision in the history of Star Trek to ally with the Borg. You know, this is a value, a consistent value that she has in one hologram over the self-aware uh, chief doctor that she has on her ship. I guess ultimately this isn't conflicting with what I'm saying, though. No, 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 so, it, it doesn't. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it kind of adds to it more than anything else. Like the idea of Janeway's casual disregard is even less justified. Yeah. 
I just think maybe it goes a little too far because that's such a just just garbage moment overall. But I see what you're saying. And I, I what do you think of the overall point I'm making here, though, of like why I think this episode might be better? No, I like, agree with the, you. And it, yeah, I, the, the stakes are real. And again, in measure of a man, you know, by the end of the episode that data is going to survive. Well, you, you know, before what the actual like they're, they're, the tension is at the at the lack of tension is all the way through it. Like Picard's on his side. Riker's on his side. Everyone wants data to succeed. A nefarious guest star has stepped in to try and deperson this person. We know is a person and they must be defeated by the magic of law like that. That's the episode, right? Like here, the main character of Star Trek Voyager is saying that's a fucking toaster and I do not care about him. Like, that is so much more tension in the episode, I think. I knew that Janeway was going to come around and say, yes, he's a real person. The tension for me was going to be in, is this something that the doctor is going to be able to overcome? Like, yes, this is a problem, and I need to admit that I cannot make this growth point. And at the end of the day, you did do the right thing and spare me this horrific memory. Uh, Or is he going to be able to grow past that? So there is a... There is a realistic um, consequence on the table that I could have seen them go either way with. And that's hard to establish in Voyager because everything's homeostasis and it's rare to see anybody really die or something really bad actually happen. Ultimately, she shuts him down and says, look, I made my decision. We're sticking with it. Um, Seven to nine stunts on her like seven to nine always does. It's an exchange. I'm <laughs> frankly tired of seeing that, you know, the only person on the crew that can challenge Janeway is Seven of Nine. And she's got to always get her with that zinger at the end. Of, you used to be my, you know, my uh, my avatar of humanity and my role model. And now I see that, you know, I could be disposable. And you let me down, Kathy. And she walks off and then Janeway stunned. The, oh, my God. Maybe I was wrong. We have a change of heart. And Janeway, who goes to meet the doctor and says, uh, look, we need to talk. She shows up with Belana Torres. Belana walks into the med bay. Belana sees the lights dim. There's this wild look of fear in Belana's eye where she's like, oh, shit, the lights are dim. This AI is about to go rogue. My <laughs> I know rogue been... AI when I've seen it. Fire up the alarm. This motherfucker's going to grab my heart. Look, Janeway, I'm telling you, you can't trust these fucking guys. Like... This is another kind of uh, missed opportunity for me. And, you know, there's only so deep and so self-referential an episode can get. I understand it. For Voyager, this is so far out in the weeds of things you would not normally. Like, you have to watch so many episodes to really understand the depth of what's going on here. But still. Yeah, let's not undersell that. Let me just pause just a second on that. Like, I pity the person who decides to watch this episode of Star Trek Voyager without the prerequisite knowledge. Like you'd be so lost to why any of this matters Uh, Uh, and good for them. Like it's hard to do episodes like this when you are the lead show of your network and you are relying on people being able to casually tune into you like this is hard to do, but they fucking did it. Good for them. I think you could come into this having never watched an episode of Voyager and it's still a good enough AI with enough relatable. Good enough, but there's like a whole levels to this that you miss if you're not like us and just watched every episode. Right. I mean, I would put this up there with Timeless as a long-term viewer, deep rewarding experience. Um, 
so, you know, there's a lot of interaction between Bolana Taurus's like AI mommy, who is constantly trying to advocate and protect various AIs jumping back to the sex uh, mannequin robots from uh, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck that terrible episode was. Yeah, this this the sex bots, uh, the uh, rogue Dreadnought. AI alien uh, or missile. Yeah. And then the alien hologram that was a murder hologram that tried to murder her. Well, she wasn't really ever buddy buddies with that thing. But yeah, um, she was always very suspicious of it. But, you know, there's been more than a few examples of her being willing to afford compassion to robots that other people weren't. And I feel like she's much more of a henchman in this episode. And that was unfortunate. And again, the doctor starts playing the card of like, you know, how dare you just operate on me and victimize me with, you know, treatments that you think are best. Like, I would, again, love to see the scene where she confronts him and says, like, you fucking did this to me. You know, how how dare you try and get indignant on this? Um, but Janeway says, listen, uh, I had made a decision. I was firm in it and I did not doubt uh, the decision I made before. But now I do. So I'm going to give you the option that I will show you this forbidden footage if you want to see it. And the doctor's like, yeah, I absolutely want to see it. This. There's another thing that they don't really take into account here, and that is. Uh, this is their only doctor. And at the end of the day, like you fuck this thing up and you have not put anybody through holodeck college to replace him. The only other person uh, that can possibly fill his shoes are Tom Paris, who just spent 30 days in the brig. Ensign Tom <laughs> Paris, right. not the most reliable dude out there. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of other things in play. Again, drawing back to uh, nothing human. Like, Blana Taurus is a very valuable member of the crew, and the survival of her is a decision bigger than just she is concerned with. Like, you have to take the entire crew into effect. Like, none of that really gets brought up here, and I think that was a miss. Finally, we get the flashbacks as the doctor is given this information. And that's where we finally actually kind of get to know who this mysterious person was, who is Ensign, Ensign Jatal. Uh, Ensign 90s hobby. I don't know. She's like the most 90s chick I've ever seen. Uh, if you were alive in the late 90s, the 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 haircut that she has is just classic. The first scene with her is that she's being led in by Neelix to have a birthday party. And she's like, oh, shit, the light bulbs are broken. Call the chief engineer. <laughs> There's two lights that are broken. Call the most yeah. important person on the ship to fix these light bulbs. Yeah, she can throw an ashtray at it, you know, you know really, really, get her, really show her rage. Uh, and they're like, hey, surprise, we've got the seven layer fudge cake out for you. We reuse that prop. And, uh, you know, the they're having a nice little party for her. And it, it casually establishes that the doctor doesn't know her very well. Like it's been months since they had interacted with each other, which is important. Uh, she is eventually assigned to an away mission with uh, Harry and the doctor. Uh, They're on the shuttle and they get attacked by the triple dildo aliens who, one of which shows up, tries to triple penetrate them for their pleasure. Uh, Of course, the, 
the doctor being a hologram. He's not really affected by it, but the two of our human uh, characters here get hit. So Harry and uh, Ensign Chitral go down and the doctor has to do some quick, uh, you know, of shit, of uh, Call Voyager, uh, run on autopilot. I got to do triage. I'm trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. When he transported uh, Dildo Guy out, I was like, oh, fuck. Did this crazy ass. And again, we've established like the doctor is capable of terrible things. Whatever the rules of uh, Asimov are, do not apply to him. He was willing to nuke the entire space Napoleon Dynamite sleepy time vampire colony <laughs> sleeping time vampires is the best way to describe them napoleon dynamite vampires like those but, but you know he was willing to nuke that entire fucking cave from orbit and, and kill an entire species like this dude does whatever he wants whenever he wants so i was like wow and we've talked before like what a big deal it is to transport someone into space and i guess sadly maybe not sad i don't know he he didn't actually he puts the thing back on its spaceship and it starts firing on the shuttle again uh, i think harry actually says why didn't you beam him into space didn't he like he explicitly said that while he was like on the ground bleeding he doesn't say why didn't you do it but they they the doctor mentions like i put him back on his ship he's coming back for more yeah i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure harry says like you should have beamed him into space like straight up says you should have microwaved him you should have put that baby in the microwave and the doctor yeah like, no i only uh kill people like tom paris <laughs> or or tuvix well i guess he didn't kill tuvix that was all janeway um they the eventually voyager shows up you know shoots a few phaser shots at the uh, at the attacking triple dildos and he beams uh himself and troll and, and harry to the uh uh sick bay where they get sick swarmed bay. by medical blue personnel out of nowhere and i'm like who the fuck are all of these guys and if you've got ems guys standing around ready to triage things like why does the helmsman need to be in sick bay there's as- just just because their science division doesn't mean they actually have medical skill <laughs> they're just they're just the, the you know they're the science guys i'm sorry they, am they're I- sciencing nearby and they decided to help out and then immediately leave am i making biased uh statements just based on the color of their uniforms i apologize you are you are you're using your podcaster privilege to prejudge people on basis on the color of their uniform peter how dare you well anyways my comment stands in that Again, it's the ridiculousness that Tom Paris is the fucking backup nurse like Voyager is now in a heated space fight with these triple dildo gun guys. And instead of he's, you know, down on boots on the ground with the doctor as the doctor's gonna have to work through some really uh, difficult situations. I want to point out, too, that we'll later come to find out that after exchanging uh, shots, Finally, the alien race flies away again. Why does Voyager antagonize and instigate these fights? Like, why was it not Voyager that got the fuck out of there? I don't know. I, I guess it doesn't matter for the episode, though, right? Like sure, that, no. that we, we've only got so much time, right, to, to actually get this done. And it's a detail. All we have to know is triple dildo guys have bad have bad juju beams mm-hmm. and they cause a problem. Um, the 
key conflict of the episode is that both of these people are dying. They literally got shot at the same time. They're dying of the same thing. And ultimately, the doctor has only time to operate on one of them to to save their life. And he has to make a choice as to who he saves. And he, you know, he he reaches the point in the memory where he has to make the choice and he chooses to save Harry. He even like it's like, I can't make this choice. And the and Tom's like, you you have to make a choice like you, you've, you've got to do it. You've got to make the choice, man. And he makes the choice. He chooses to save Harry as obviously we know that he did. And, he, you know, as he's doing the surgery on Harry, he hears the flatlining of the young ensign behind him. So the guns that these triple dildos shoot are real nasty. You thought the, oh, geez, what the hell is a Veron T disruptor was bad news like this thing. It shoots you and it affects you with an energy thing that eats your spine from the base up until it kills your brain. So these guys are going out in the worst way possible. You know. We'll later find out that the doctor makes his decision because he is better friends with uh, Harry Kim than he was uh, Ensign Jatral. They don't really – was she actually an Ensign's? Were they the same rank then? Yes, they're the same rank. They're both Ensign's, both so, regular Starfleet Ensign's. I guess that really does make me cool because I was going to say like they, they never really play in that rank could have been something in that in a trauma that EMH would prioritize – they really go out Which of their way group? to try and, and make it so that there is no difference between the two of them except one key thing, which I think is probably the most brilliant line in the episode. Um, they, you know, they they show him that memory and he's like, OK, so I had a patient die. I'm I'm programmed to be able to accept that. I don't know what the problem is here. And they show him. Yeah. OK, so. Uh, this isn't this this gets a little ugly, buddy. Like, strap yourself in. Like, we're not done yet. And the best scene of the episode to me is when they flash back to the memory of him in the uh mess hall with uh Neelix. And they're having a conversation and it goes it's just normal, like, hey, I need these supplies. We need like these medicinal herbs. Can you grow some? And Eventually, Neelix is like, yeah, I can do that or I can do the other thing. What do you want me to do first? And, you know, being being asked to make a choice, suddenly the doctor can't stop ruminating and talking about the choice that he made regarding which of the crew members that he saved earlier. The the scene is incredibly well done on the part of Picardo, right? It's completely reliant on him with like an extra 10% from Ethan Phillips being able to act scared, which he does very well. Uh, and as he's like going through this moral conundrum of like the, it, Hey, I'm programmed so that the smallest difference of who has a better chance of survival, that's the choice I make. But what do you do when you have two people, exact same circumstances, exact same choice, you know, survival, you have to choose which one. And then he eventually, actually says the thing that I think is just seals the deal on the episode. It's like, I chose Harry because he was my friend. I'm not programmed to do that. That's literally what he says. I'm not programmed to save someone's life over someone else because I'm friends with them. But he did that. 
And I think that line is so important because he's already solved that. That solves the question of if, if he's a person, he clearly is because he made that choice, even though he's not programmed to do that. He has gone beyond his programming and his friend was dying and he chose to save them. Right. And it costs someone else their life. It's a very human thing to do. It's very like uh, not based on heuristics or programming. And the the fact that just kind of he just kind of shouts it and just states it like that in the middle of this incredibly intense scene is just is just comes together beautifully. Absolutely. I am a huge Ethan Phillip fan. Uh, I've come around. We've seen a few episodes here and there where Neelix really gets to be tied up in some good emotional stuff. And he was a great foil here to play off of um, the EMH's outburst like that. And when the EMH or any AI goes crazy, it's, it's scary. And we don't see it on the nice side of Starfleet very frequently, especially out of a beloved character like this. So it was a very potent scene. And I think that uh, the doctor and, you know, Bob Picardo does a really great job of really creating an unsettling thing, even though he just throws a bowl. It's not like he's choke slamming people and, you know, morphing into like T-1000 blade arms or whatever, although he could. Uh, <clears throat> it's very unsettling. <laughs> Murder and robot, it, never forget. <laughs> and I like when uh, Neelix calls security and Tuvok shows up how everybody kind of devolves into like, oh shit, the appliance is broken. And he starts talking about it. And like the doctor getting pissed off, like, don't talk about me. I'm right here. You know, and, and Neelix is like, it's it's getting crazy. It's throwing things. Uh, and Tuvok coming on until eventually Tuvok reaches over and uh, very ballsily, I see <laughs> the right thing to say there. Like, again, the doctor could do anything to him, right? Uh, so reaching over and tapping him on the arm and turning him off was um, awfully brash. Uh, and we see, yeah, that's that's the real conundrum that Janeway has been dealing with, that things really did get ugly in the simple choice the doctor has made. The doctor, who is operating well beyond his intended capacity and limits, who has had to go through great actions with the rest of the ship to continue to grow along the trajectory of this science project really that's way out of control uh there being some real unforeseen consequences not just within the confines of physical space his program occupies but now you know the experiences and stuff he's brought on shaping him in ways that go way beyond his original programming so uh that brief reliving of memories becomes more than enough to devolve the doctor back into this frantic state where he, he flies off the handle again, telling uh, Janeway that she was absolutely correct in taking the action she did and uh, trying to move to the council where Alana is to purge the memories that he has been shown himself. The, they shut him back off and this is where Janeway starts to have her epiphany of we, she even says the line, we gave him a soul, which I think is quite meaningful, obviously, in this context where, you know, where I, I Bolan is placed in the foil position to say, I don't know if it's a soul or not, but it's like, well, I mean, how do you account for sentience would have been a better word. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we've allowed him to become a person and 
we've allowed him to grow. And he made a human choice that was went beyond his programming. The reckoning is is now that he's at war with himself of who he is now versus what he is. And if he really is sentient and able to evolve past just his base programming, this is the moment, right? This is the the fulcrum, the uh, inflection point, the 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 hour of crisis. Like this is it. This is where he becomes a person or he stays a toaster. And we keep taking away his opportunity to do that because he made the choice. He actually went beyond his programming to save Harry, but he can't reconcile that to the rest of himself. And he has to be able to do that or he's never actually going to be a person. And Janeway finally kind of comes to that conclusion in the room with talking to Bolana of, you know, like we have to. We have to realize this is our fault and we did this. And if we're going to treat him like a person, that means we have to deal with the consequences of that, too. They don't go into it, but by invoking the scene earlier in the episode where uh, Seven advocates on the doctor's behalf, you know, you've taken chances on me like these were all liberties. Oh, no, they do, actually, because she says, you know, you you took a big chance on me over and over again, you know, no matter how many times I shot the crew up and tried to take control of the vessel and get you all assimilated. And, you know, Janeway's response to that was, well, you're a human and he's, you know, a soup dispenser. And that's where she hits him with the the flip side. So, you know, there, that is a strong correlation to make there. Again, I would have liked to see Bolana kind of advocate a little bit more on the doctor's behalf since they are chummy and they do have a strong shared history. And I also would have liked to see some sort of conversation about like, if we let him go down this path, you know, it's very possible he is going to permanently destroy himself and we are going to be stuck out in the middle of nowhere without any doctor at all. And is this a decision? Is the doctor's journey of self-discovery more important than the health and safety of the rest of this crew? Uh, because it's a big fucking deal. And it's one again that got tackled. I keep going back. To, I didn't know that nothing human was going to be as important of an episode as it was just for comparison to other things. But again, we've seen Janeway in this position before and she's stuck to her guns. Um, I'm glad whatever the Klingon incense that Bolana was burning to dispel the demons of doubt worked to such a degree that she doesn't throw any of this in Janeway's face. But by the end of it, uh, Janeway says we need to back him and let him try and work this thing out on his own and hope he doesn't go rogue and kill us all. So they put him in the holodeck for, what, 16 days? Yeah, so they say for two weeks they've had him running in the holodeck where they're basically trying to help him resolve this in a way that satisfies his his um, conflict without having to delete the memories so the the idea is well if he's a person he'll be able to finally get past this and that would kind of prove his sentience right like he is more than his programming to the extent that he can actually step beyond it and deal with this issue but he's not yet being able to do that two weeks kind of non-stop you know essentially mental health crisis and do you think people are pissed he's eaten up that much holodeck space 
I would assume that someone is probably mad because that's how human beings are. But I think the idea is, you know, all these people are essentially alive because the doctor has saved them at one point or another, whether that's, you know, murdering Kazon along with with Lon Suter or or whatever, you know, that the, the half dozen times he's done it. So, you know, OK, let's see if we can help him do this. Um, the final scene is Janeway is the one that's presently in there with him and has been in there for 16 hours. And, you know, he's, you know, now he's rationalizing everything away because, you know, everything's predetermined in the universe and, you know, no other choices could be made except the choices you make very fatalistic. And he's clearly not still not quite there. And Tuvok shows up to relieve Janeway and Janeway's like, no, fuck it. I'll, I'll just ride it out with him here along a little bit longer. And uh, she's reading a book and, you know, the doctor is, uh, you know, inquires what it is. It's called La Vida Nueva, Nuova. I've never heard of it aside from this context, to be honest with you. I don't know if it's a real book or not. It seems probably is, I would assume. Um, and, uh, he says that it's it's you know relevant to his situation, and the doctor um, is essentially dismisses that idea, uh, but then finds that Janeway has fallen asleep, and that Janeway has got a fever, and that she's sick, and in the kind of moment where you know he finally moves past it, you know he tells Janeway like you need to go take care of yourself, like I'm. I don't want to be responsible for any more suffering and, you know, I, I'll be okay here by myself. I don't want you to be sick here. You go take care of yourself. I'll be fine. I'll call you if I need you. Right. Yeah. I like that when he stands rigid and it's like a, the original programming chimes and he's like medical emergency. Uh, it's kind of like he rediscovers his purpose is, is the way I took that scene and like, getting nudged back at like this isn't about my problems that there's I've got a greater purpose and there's people who need me and I need to kind of learn that I need to evolve and move on it was good you, you mentioned or you forgot to mention the point where he again specifically talks about soup which took me so far out of like what should have been a very important moment oh right it's part of his little monologue of like holodecks and chicken soup or whatever yeah that that the 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 course that led him to picking harry over jatral which terrible fucking use of the name jatral how you could pick literally anything why does this ensign have to be the guy who killed all the talaxians i think it's actually jatal and we're saying jatral because it's close close yeah why couldn't she have been Susie? This is ridiculous. Um, I, speaking to her specifically, wh- why we got to pull someone we don't remember? Like that also hurt the episode in my book. Like why couldn't it have been Howdy Doody? Why couldn't it have been uh, Samantha Wildman? Harry, Wildman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any of these other characters that we just got a little taste of like you had to fabricate someone completely you know what was her from uh, TNG that was Wesley's girl it wasn't Winona Ryder it was uh, oh it was Ashley Judd that she's got real Ashley Judd vibes I was thinking trying to think of her name before when you were talking about her hair Um, but 
I, I feel like that again, seeing Jane Wayne distress, seeing that she was harming herself to help him finding his original purpose and kind of recalibrating himself. It was, uh, it was good. It was a ballsy risky move by Janeway. And again, I think they didn't really lay out the risk of what she was doing as clear as they should have, but, um, it was good. And again, you know, there was a real chance that maybe the things didn't pan out and maybe they would just have to delete them and it would be with his knowledge that, Hey, this is beyond me and I need to make the pain stop. This, this really is a spiritual successor, I think to the episode with his family, because for a while there, he wanted to erase the memory of uh, his daughter unfairly dying from a head injury from Parisi squares as inflicted by Bellana Torres. Uh, right. But he has to make the adult, the, the human decision to keep the pain with him and grow off of it. And um, that's ultimately what, has to happen here for him to grow again yeah he realizes that there are people who are willing to harm themselves to help him and that he can't afford to indulge in his self-pity it's kind of how i took it like and to the episode's credit they don't like signpost this too obviously it just kind of naturally happens and the doctor sort of settles down right because he's he does what any person does it just took him a while because he's new to it of I have to let this go because that's eating me up. We've all been there at some point in our lives, some point this week, probably given how 2020 is gone, where you're like, I just, I can't fucking, I can't carry this weight. Like I have to put this down and I have to move on or I'm just going to continue to just swallow in this misery and it will not be healthy. And that's what he does. That's what ends up actually happening is that he realizes Oh, Janeway is uh, literally hurting herself to help me. I need to stop, right? Like, this this is not okay. And that's what it takes. Again, it's very human. That's not in his programming. But he's already proven he can go past it. He just has to find the thread to do it. And that's what happens. It's perfect. I like Uh, it. Had you been Janeway, would you have done things differently? I mean, you have to go all the way back to the fact Janeway was dismissive to begin with. Like, I think it's evident to if she had been paying closer attention that the doctor has long since ex- gone beyond his programming in ways that, you know, suggest real sentience. And her compassion should have been much greater from the start of like having to find a way, help him find a way through that. Like, you, you caused this a long time ago and it was already very clear i mean the dude was going on dates three seasons ago come like come on man like you had to know that this had this was already on the table i think that you know data wants to be a human he's an android he wants to be a human he's striving to be a human we don't really ever have any indications from the doctor where he says i want to be a human even though i am arguably in many ways a superior form of life i want to settle for humanity and that means you know a painful journey along the way like i think it's kind of unfair sometimes that they don't let him exist as a separate species a separate race you know like Worf's not like i want to be human and i'm going to forsake this extra strength i have or other alien races saying i'm going to give up these uh racial abilities i have to try and baseline myself like that is one of the doctor's strengths you could say listen uh this is going to kill me. This is an illness or a sickness that's going to kill me. Like I'm going to flex my right as a hologram, as a, as a piece of AI to 
delete the poison out of me. I think the dot or uh, the captain could be like, listen, yeah, that was actually me who did this thing. I'm going to lay out these circumstances. I need you to see I was being kind of reasonable and just not pick at this thread any further uh, instead of making her come off as uh, the unilateral decision draconian Janeway. I think think making her the draconian draconian figure fits so much better, though. It adds more tension to the episode that she's being a little unreasonable and dismissive. Yeah. And not like I think that that casual dismissiveness and that how callous it is and that she just hasn't really given a fuck about the doctor's personhood. It's just been kind of like this mild inconvenience uh, adds to this episode in ways that is incalculably valuable. And I want to shout out again the sloppy work that they put in repeatedly. Like they know the doctor's smart. They see that they're not doing enough to cover things up. And the fact that they never really up their game to the point where she completely fails to see the spy tech camera in the corner recording her is like it further puts salt on the wound that like they don't <laughs> take him serious. So right. I guess what you're saying fits in that it's not just a character growth episode for the doctor, but Janeway as well. All right. So for next week, we have a special episode. And I know that in the in all of our other episodes, you have done the read in for previewing. But I would like to I'd like to take that over this week. Is that OK with you, Peter? I'll let you have that, Joe. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. <clears throat> anyway. From writer Brian Fuller comes our next exciting episode. While Paris and Kim are running their Captain Proton holodeck program, Voyager gets caught in a lair of subspace that's home to photonic aliens. Join us next week as we go through Season 5, Episode 12, Bride of Chaotica! You get an A-plus for effort on that one. That was... <laughs> I take it you like this episode. This is the best holodeck episode of Star Trek. It's probably the best comedic episode of Star Trek ever. I like hands down. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> There's been some real strong holodeck entries that we've had. So that's uh, that's really oh, this just, just blows them out of the water. Like, oh, uh, this is just a good time. Like it's, it crushes them. I want to say again, I'm very sad that we're not going to see the Delaney sisters again. Yes, I know, right? Because, man, they fit in this. <laughs> Works good. Photonic aliens. Um, holograms on the holodeck are photonic energy creations, correct? Yes? Correct. So this seems like a real opportunity for chaos here. I like it. I mean, you have no idea, but it's a good thing in this case. I can't wait to do this one with you next week, Peter. And thank you again to all of our fans who have stuck with us through our little hiatus. We are back. We plan to be back with an episode every week, barring, you know, real life. I don't know. 2020 has been rough so far, so I don't want to make it too many promises. Uh, One promise, though, that we'll make is that we've got a date set in stone, Peter and I, for recording our Patreon exclusive episode uh, on Galaxy Quest. 
Uh, we uh, wanted to tackle that as our next kind of like feature length uh, discussion. And I think primarily our intention is to focus on it as a work of how it's important to fandom, its portrayal of fandom as fans ourselves, as people who sit here and do this podcast for an hour plus every week on a 25 year old television show. What motivates that? And that show and that movie captures that so awesomely. I think it's a, a very meta, very cool thing for us to review. So thanks to all of our fans who voted for that. And we'll deliver that to our patrons before the end of July. We promise I, we really do. And uh, thanks again for supporting us. You can always find us on at Gmail at VGPlease at gmail.com, on Facebook at VGPlease, on Twitter at VGPlease. And of course, we have VGPlease Trauma Support Group. Join us and discuss all things Trek and drop your uh, mildly spicy memes on us. We always love it. And until next week, see ya. <laughs>